What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Fit Ship Podcast. Today's guest, I am incredibly excited to have on Taryn Nettles. Uh, please introduce yourself, talk about your company, your education, and background. And then today, guys, we're going to do a deep dive on hormonal health, down regulations of these adaptations, especially with dieting, not necessarily just contest prep, though we will get into that, um, but chronic uh, calorie restriction inevitably down regulates a lot of these things too. So Taryn, thank you for coming on uh, and please introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. So my name is Taryn Nettles. I'm a coach and owner of GT Nutrition Performance. Um, I have my bachelor's in exercise, or excuse me, my bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics, my master's in exercise science. Um, and then I also have a clinical background. Um, and that's why we're kind of like diving into the whole like lab lab aspect and like hormone aspect, um, of this stuff. Awesome. Um, so we're just going to get right into this episode because there's a lot of information in here. So, uh, first thing that we really wanted to talk about was not starting prep broken. Um, so Taryn, I'm going to let you lead this, but the biggest factor that we want you guys to take away is don't just dive into a calorie deficit, especially one that is as aggressive as contest prep, right? We're getting to physiologically unsustainable levels of leanness, and there's a sacrifice that comes along with that. So making sure that you're going to get the full return on the investment that you're making as far as the response that you want to achieve and not running yourself into the ground, doing excessive amounts of cardio, trying to get body fat off because there was, you know, your emergency light was on before you even started the deficit. Um, so Taryn, can you kind of walk us through the labs that we should be getting and, and what levels we want to be looking at? Sure. So I really like what you said, like in terms of like, you know, starting with the engine light, like already on that, that's such a good analogy analogy for all of this stuff. So just some labs really quick that are important and are considered a full lab panel. So starting off first is our thyroid panel. So thyroid panel, we have TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone. And basically what that is, is that's just the communication from the brain to the thyroid telling the thyroid, you know, hey, how much hormones to produce from the thyroid. The next one is going to be free T4, which is the inactive thyroid hormone that converts over to free T3, which is our next one. And that one is our active thyroid hormone that also controls metabolism. Then we have reverse T3. And basically what this is, is this is another inactive thyroid hormone and then we have TPO, which stands for thyroid peroxidase. And what this is, is this is testing the antibodies of the thyroid. Um, so basically this can be an indicator of like if the thyroid's under stress, the immune system's attacking the thyroid and driving up the TPO, which can also be a sign of Hashimoto's. And then last but not least, we have TGAB which is thyroid globulin antibodies. And then what this one is testing for is this is looking at more so Graves disease. Um, so it's important to make sure you have all those panels in terms of thyroidal function. And then taking a dive into our sex hormones. So for sex hormones, before I get into that, for the women out there, it is important that you get these panels done between days 19 to 21 of your cycle. Um, I always like to suggest women get it more so towards the end of that timeline. So I would say days 20, 21, 
because we want to ensure that pedestrians peaking and what that's going to give us a good indication of is is this female estrogen dominant or not so that's why that window is important and of course if you're a female out there where let's say you don't have a a cycle just go get your panels ran that's the most important thing so diving into sex hormones so first off we have estradiol and Estradiol is just, you know, obviously our female hormone. Um, that's what we're dominant in, in terms of females. Um, then we have our estrone, which is considered the quote unquote bad estrogen. Then we have pedestrone. Then we have our free testosterone. Then we have total testosterone. Then we have our SHBG, which stands for sex hormone binding globulin. And basically what that shows us is this is just an indication between testosterone and estrogen, which one is binding and unbinding. That's, that's very important when we are looking at panels too, because it helps us piece it all together. Then we have DHEA. Um, and then we have FSH and LH. Now, some other health markers that we also want to look at that also play a large role in just hormone function and health as a whole is vitamin D, cortisol, glucose, um, getting a CMP ran, which is a complete metabolic panel. So that includes things like a lipid panel. Um, it includes cholesterol. It includes AST, ALT, which is liver enzymes. And why this is so important is because this plays a very, very important role in estrogen metabolism. So if you have a female who's estrogen dominant, you want to look at AST, ALT and see if these things are elevated or where these are at and aid to that liver function. Then next we have CRP, um, which is a inflammatory factor, which just deals with the heart and inflammation. Um, and then we have um, homocysteine. And then last but not least, we have a CBC, which is a complete blood count. So we're just kind of looking at like specific cells. So um, like red blood cells, white blood cells, um, things to that sort. So that is a full hormone panel right there. Yeah, it's super comprehensive. And so um, first, I want to kind of dive into the fact that it's important to get them run before so that you know where your baseline is, because post dieting phase, you want to be able to bring them back up um, to where they were, if not improve them from where they started, right? And over time, depending on, you know, body fat, and how you can redistribute that and or maintain a better body composition overall, depending on where you started from, you can improve health markers that way as well. Um, but going into a deficit, it's really important to understand that a lot of these things do naturally downregulate for survival purposes. So there's a lot of people that I see that will get labs done in the middle of a prep and then freak out because, you know, lab values are, are low or just outside of where we want them to be, whether with it in range or outside of the range drastically. And so I would like you to cover a little bit about what is actually downregulated and we can talk about why it's downregulated and the importance of like not freaking out, but how you can naturally, you know, supplement those things to help at least improve the natural values that your body is secreting. And in this context here, I do want to talk about just natural athletes. Natural. Sure. Absolutely. So obviously there is a huge difference here between a natural athlete versus enhanced because obviously enhanced athletes, they're regulating their, um, their hormones 
obviously through anabolics versus your natural athlete. And the natural athletes do tend to take more of a negative hit in terms of like hormonal function than the enhanced athlete. So yeah, and I do want to talk about enhanced ones after, but I want to start with natural and then we'll navigate it to conversely the enhanced athlete. You got it. Okay. So in terms of the natural athlete, like when, when we are dieting or contest prepping, since, you know, that is the most extreme form of, of dieting that we'll do. Um, the number one thing that is causing downregulation is like you said, you know, survival, your body, it's going to do what it has to do to survive, especially for females, because what we have to understand is when there is a chronic stress there. So whether it's, you know, mental, or in this case, you know, physical, because we're in a calorie deficit, our bodies don't like that. And then we do have a higher output of, you know, just training, um, you know, uh, cardio hit, like whatever our energy output is, it is higher. So that within itself is creating a chronic stress on the body. And when we have that chronic stress over a certain period of time, it starts down regulating systems in the body to help the body just preserve energy. So it's going to pull Um, energy from these systems to put it more towards the vital organs just to keep us alive. Um, And so even like during this time, what we'll notice in terms of what's being downregulated is thyroid. So there's going to be, you know, poor conversion between T4 to T3, which is going to cause metabolism to slow down. Um, You're going to have a higher conversion rate of T4, which is an inactive thyroid hormone, over to reverse T3, which is another inactive thyroid hormone. And then, you know, that within itself, like depending on the individual, like that can put them at risk for, you know, Hashimoto's, um, also hyperthyroidism. Um, And then also, you know, with all of that, you know, our TSH will probably end up increasing. um, And we don't want that. And that's usually the sign for like that Hashimoto's or excuse me, the hyperthyroidism. Um, then diving into the sex hormones, what we'll see is pedestrian will actually bottom out to or go low. Um, and that within itself can be harmful to the thyroid because pedestrian actually positively impacts our thyroid function. Um, so when pedestrian takes a decline, it's going to cause a female to be relative estrogen dominant. Um, basically where, you know, estrogen is still within quote unquote normal range, but pedestrians low, um, even too, we will see, um, estradiol levels below in, in females that are dieting because body fat levels are going to going low and estrogen within itself, it it's stored in, in body fat. So of course, if we're losing body fat, we're also down regulating that estrogen. Um, and then we have decline in free testosterone and then also total testosterone. So when this happens, um, we may end up seeing like we do lose muscle mass, we do lose that strength, we do lose that performance. Um, even recovery, like recovery may take a dive because you know anyone who's been through contest prep, you know there comes that point where you're like, man, no matter what I do, like I'll get like 10 hours of sleep. I'm still tired. My legs feel heavy. I just, I can't recover. A lot of that is from that testosterone. Um, and then also we do have adrenal cortisol function, which is a big one here. 
Um, because with the adrenals, what that does is that does synthesize um, pedestrian and then also testosterone in females, plus it secretes cortisol. So that can also cause someone to have high cortisol, but then it eventually ends up bottoming out just because they're losing that resiliency over time through, you know, through dieting for, for contest prep. Yeah, there's so much in, I think one of the most important things to note is that none of these systems or, or hormonal profiles work in isolation. Um, wow. it is, it is, it is a constant communication between the brain, um, the signaling from the pituitary all throughout the body to get these hormones to secrete the way that they need to or not. Right. And we mm. have to remember that anytime you incorporate a calorie deficit, even if you don't feel stressed, that is a physiological stress. And I think a lot of people are like, I feel fine. I don't understand. Um, but you can tell when a body is stressed, especially like once you work with prep athletes long enough, you have kind of have an eye for it. Right. Um, and you can see it. And so being able to supplement this appropriately, um, is what the coach or athlete need to understand they need to do. And again, in the context of a natural athlete, you know, what would you suggest, um, you know, things that they can incorporate throughout their prep journey to help supplement this, um, to avoid any excessive downregulation as much as possible. So the biggest thing here is I'm going to say is, you know, focusing on refeed days. Like that's, that's going to be an important one. Um, like I've heard of, you know, some women where they've had absolutely no refeed days during their contest prep and it just made post recovery, just hell, like absolutely horrible. Um, so, you know, for females specifically, you know, I would say the best thing is like focusing on anywhere between a 48 hour to 72, um, hour refeed window, um, because that will help just, you know, upregulate thyroid functions. And then next is kind of like the Super Bowl of recovery, which is a diet break paired with deloading, because what that's going to do is the whole goal there is to just drive down that cortisol and then also help our systems just kind of upregulate a little bit. Um, and then, you know, that should be done for a minimum of a week. Now, grant you, like, depending on how deep you are in, in your prep, I mean, it's not going to work magic, like you're not going to see all your values just magically like just increase to optimal, you know, you're, you're still in that quote unquote recovery phase with that. Um, but in terms of like actual like supplements, do you want to, do you want me to kind of like touch upon that? Okay. Yes. So in terms of supplementation, um, you know, to help, I mean, you also got to keep in mind here that you're not putting in a lot of calories or you're still in that, that caloric deficit. So, um, it, it's not going to work magic, but it can help a little bit. So I would say, you know, adding in some dim, um, that would help because that would just kind of help like your, your estrogen levels. Um, but of course, like as your estrogen levels go low, um, it may not, it may not be that helpful. Um, another thing would be, uh, chase berry, which is fantastic for pedestrian, um, that could help. Um, and then it really also just depends on the individual's resiliency. Like you do have some people that are more resilient than others where, you know, supplements, you know, will help them or maybe being in that deficit isn't as quote unquote harsh on their body. Like it is like with someone who isn't as resilient. Um, and then of course, genetics also do play into that. And then where they were before they started prep. So 
Um, another thing too, is I would probably say like ashwagandha would be great for the adrenals and help with, you know, cortisol function. Um, I'm trying to think what else dim ashwagandha, uh, chase berry, um, maybe even potentially Benswick and oil can, can be a good one, like to help like with regulating, um, pedestrian some, there is a really good supplement out there to help with natural testosterone levels, especially if we're talking natural athletes. Um, it's called MorphoTest, and you know that has a really good blend of um, it has boron, it has zinc, it has ashwagandha already in it. Um, it also has dim in it. Um, that would be something that would be really good, and it can help testosterone levels. Um, using that term a little bit loosely here, because again, like if you're in that caloric deficit, it, it's still hard to, to regulate those systems because they will downregulate. Um, but you can try to slow them down the best that you can. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, one of the things that I like to do as well as have my clients do as well as throughout prep, if we're noticing just negative biofeedback in general, um, is tracking micronutrient deficiencies that are potential, mm. um, due to the calorie restriction, right. Especially for thyroid purposes, like selenium is awesome. But again, if they're a lower fat and they can't work in like a Brazil nut or something, right. Supplementing with selenium might help that. So, um, being able to address, and again, this is where you can kind of do your own investment investigation based on your protocols, but also get insights as to like why you might be feeling the way that you're feeling. Um, because mm -hmm. when we get into aggressive calorie restriction, most of the time there are nutrient deficiencies. And if you can, you know, look at your diet, especially if you're on a meal plan or something like that, um, where it is very like cut and dry and restrictive. Um, if there are micronutrient deficiencies that could explain a lot of the downregulation as well, um, as those micronutrients do help with hormones throughout the process. So I like to kind of address that. Um, if there's negative biofeedback and we know that they're being very consistent with dietary intake, um, and food selection, um, or incorporating different nutrients within their food choices being like, Hey, maybe we need to sub this for this because you're missing this here. Um, I find helps a lot. Um, it's not perfect obviously, but it's not going to be with a natural athlete dieting like we do, but if we can at least pay attention to nutrient deficiencies throughout a contest prep and, or just an aggressive calorie deficit, um, the odds that we can come out of that in a much better position, um, than if we just don't pay attention to it and keep it super bro and don't ask questions. Right. Um, so that's just yeah. one thing I wanted to throw out there. And I don't know if you investigate that as well. Um, but I think that that's important. I do, but I guess it's like, the biggest thing is, is like, can we, you know, help preserve minerals while we diet? Yes and no. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it just has to do with looking at mineral profile, like getting a HTMA done, which is a hair tissue mineral analysis. Um, I would say prior to prep. So, you know, like what are some things that I'm deficient in because just being in a caloric deficit within itself will deplete, you know, specific minerals. Um, and you can of course supplement with those things. And I would say, you know, vitamin C would be great because it helps the adrenals thrive. Um, your electrolytes, so sodium, potassium helps the adrenals thrive. Um, even magnesium, magnesium would be fantastic to supplement, um, especially since our bodies are under stress, because when our bodies are under stress, like it's going to deplete magnesium. Well, it's going to deplete minerals as a whole. 
Um, and another thing to also kind of look out for too, is like the color of your urine. Like I know like in contest prep, like, you know, push water, drink a gallon a day or a gallon and a half, depending on the individual. Um, but that within itself also flushes out minerals. So if you just want to keep like a, like a, still a yellowish tint to your urine, you know, that's going to be helpful. You don't always want to go for clear urine because that just means you just, flushed out all your minerals day after day after day. Um, and then a, one good one that I, I like is beef liver. Um, beef liver, like supplementing with that is amazing because it, it's so nutrient dense and it has pretty much all the minerals in it that your body needs. Um, so those would be some, some really good ones to also look into as well. Yeah. I love that you said beef liver. Cause when I'm in contest prep, I have it at least once a week, not because I love it, but because it's so <laughs> nutrient rich, um, that I try to be very mindful of like food selection and supporting it as best I can as a natural. Athlete. Yes. Um, so now let's pivot a little bit. Cause I do have a lot of questions about enhanced athletes, um, okay. so supporting that, um, you'll see athletes use like T3 testosterone bioidenticals. Um, and then of course they can get into things like Anivar and other, other things like that, that will throw lab levels off. Um, so mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about the enhanced athlete now? Um, and then I'm sure I'm going to have questions. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So I'm not, okay. I'm not an expert in like the enhancement, like side of things, you know, like I, I am more like holistic, you know, holistically based, you know, but what I can tell you is like for the enhanced athlete, like depending on what they're taking, you know, it's going to obviously super compensate them. Like, so if they're taking a T3, for example, it's going to just drive T3 up, you know, so they're going to have a better response to the deficit because for that individual, regardless of how low you take their calories, T3 is still being regulated and it's being, you know, suboptimal. Um, but that's also kind of dangerous too, because they're also putting themselves in like a category of like a heart attack, you know, so it's, it's, it's a scary game they play with that. Um, another thing too, is like Anivar, for example, you know, that also plays into testosterone levels. It also plays into thyroid levels. So, you know, of course they're again, being held suboptimal, um, even if they took like testosterone, you know, um, whether it's, um, through like HRT therapy, or if it's, if it's not, if it's like recreational, that's still going to keep testosterone levels higher. So they may walk around having like that harder look. Um, you know, looking like they always have a pump, um, you know, versus the natural athlete where like, if you're not in the gym, like you, like you, you look horrible, <clears throat> excuse me, while you're dieting, like you, you don't, you don't, you don't look good. You look flat, you know, you look like you're not even training. Um, but when you have those enhanced athletes, um, they, they tend to have a different look because obviously they, they are enhanced all of their hormone levels, again, depending on what they're taking, is regulating and it's not so well the dieting aspect isn't so harsh on the body but it's more so the aftermath because you have to eventually cycle off like that's where these people get into trouble is that aftermath effect so that's where all of my questions really lie um because right. again this is not i'm i am natural at this point in my career uh, i don't have an issue saying that or choosing to be that way 
But at the same time, one of my biggest um, things that I don't know enough about it yet um, is the consequences of coming off of something like supplemental T3 or testosterone, right? Does that downregulate your natural levels? Does it suppress them long-term? What are the, and I'm sure you've seen this in labs. Um, So my question is really like, what are the potential consequences um, long-term to your own physiological um, endogenous production of these hormones? So I think it really just depends on how long has the individual been, you know, taking these forms of anabolics, um, you know, because for some people, like when you first come off of them, it will downregulate their systems, but they'll eventually pick right back up, like just, you know, with recovery methods and, um, was it post cycle therapies, you know, what, you know, whatever they do with that, it will help, but there are some individuals where unfortunately, once they come off, these levels won't pick back up again. So therefore they're kind of forced to, you know, be on an HRT just to kind of live a, a normal quality, you know, base life, you know, so they're not walking around feeling horrible because let's say testosterone won't come up because their body's just like, nope, you know, you, we've been taking it for so long we um like we've been taking that for so long that our body's no longer producing anymore it's going to make it harder so being on the hrt is going to really be the only way to kind of get testosterone back um same thing with thyroid function so if you do t3 you know your body may just be like hey i'm not producing it anymore because you're putting it in, in my body you know every day or however often you know you you take t3 and it may just cause the signaling in your brain to just, you know, send out signals to just not produce it anymore. So again, then you have to be on HRT for probably the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's so complex and and individually is going to vary the, how aggressive those adaptations are. Right. And I, I love to pick on myself when I give examples. So I can say, you know, as a natural athlete, who's done multiple preps, um, I did have, I have taken longer off seasons, but I will say, um, I probably should have taken longer off seasons. And now that I'm, you know, really investigating this and pursuing education in it, like I have my own shit that I need to fix. Um, you know, and there are a lot of side effects, um, that come along with that, that sometimes, you know, are irreversible. I have friends that can't have children. I mean, there's a lot of issue that comes with choosing to focus on physique oriented goals and not longevity of, or quality of life, uh, which I think a lot of athletes lose sight of, especially Mm -hmm. when you get into the depths of bodybuilding, right? When it's all that you consume, when it's all of where your energy is going and all you're doing is paying attention to other people and wanting to look like them and be like them. Or once you get stage lean, you fight the process of coming out of it. You stay too lean for too long because your perception of what a healthy body looks like now is forever skewed um, to the very lean side. And that suppresses your health over time, right? So then that's where you get into seeing girls losing their hair um, or they're not having a cycle um, or you're seeing um, like their uterine line breakdown, right? We're having issues just surviving at that point because now your body is saying, well, you're not healthy enough to have a baby, right? You're not Mm -hmm. healthy enough to, you know, make this 
human being. So we're going to continue to shut down and suppress these because we're stressed, right? A lot of this comes from HPA access dysfunction um, and stress mm-hmm. management and calorie restriction again, or excessive cardio or hit cardio or all of that mess. Um, if you don't take the time to come out of it, long-term can have serious health consequences. And I'm sure this is something that you see as well. Yes, ab- absolutely. I mean, especially for the women out there where they've lived this life, you know, they've, they've been in the body game, bodybuilding game for so long. They, again, they got caught up in that comparison game, or I like to call it the quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses, like fitness edition. I love that. Um, Yes. So, you know, to the point where like, they want to have children, but they can't because, you know, they, they didn't, they're not really realizing what they're doing in that moment, just, you know, keeping calories low, just trying to stay lean, just to try to maintain an image. It, it really does take such a negative toll on your hormonal health and your health as a whole, and even mental health too, you know, all of that stuff. That's what I was going to um, say. The psychological factor of it is hard. It's, it's truly hard. And it's, it's like a battle every single day of your life. Like if you, if you live that life, Um, and then like, when you find out like, oh my gosh, I can't get pregnant. Like I'm, I I'm infertile. Like how did this even happen? But you look at your labs and you kind of connect the dots looking backwards to, well, what was your lifestyle leading up to that? That's usually the number one cause to, to that. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, and this is kind of, uh, I don't want to say an immature thing, but we have these thoughts that we are superhuman and that these things that happen to other people aren't going to happen to us. And we're resilient enough to do anything. And that's where, you know, I have these conversations with my clients or just, you know, when I do use my voice, it's like really set boundaries and ask yourself what it is you are and aren't willing to sacrifice to get there. And as long as you're okay with the potential consequences of those boundaries, then you're doing what's right for you. But as you, you have to have that set before you get into prep, because once you are in there and your prep goggles come on, you will eat dirt. You will do whatever it takes. Right. And you don't care about the consequences because you're so invested that you lose perspective. And so when it comes to coming out of it, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I have to really tell my clients is, you know, we're not dieting for a long period of time. And that could be a year. It could be two years um, because getting them healthy for me as a coach um, is more important than getting them back on stage. And and the the amount of time to recover is going to vary person to person. Um, But it is important to pay attention to getting the person healthy first, because even if you're going through a quote unquote improvement season, if your testosterone is in the tank and your thyroid is still not functioning, and your progesterone is suppressed, you're not even going to be able to build new tissue, right? You're going to be Mm -hmm. fighting that process and all of your effort is wasted. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, like, okay, yes, testosterone, it it does help build muscle mass and, um, and, and strength and help with performance. But also we have to think T3 also plays into that as well, because there is, you know, some conversion rate of T3 that does help that does convert over in skeletal muscle. So it, it does play into that too, a little bit. Um, So like, for example, kind of going back to the athletes who are enhanced that they take T3 within their prep, they'll actually end up growing a lot of muscle during prep. And it's just, again, because T3 is being super compensated, you know, so there's a high conversion rate, you know, within that skeletal muscle. I mean, it takes place like throughout the body, but there is that small percentage that does take place in the skeletal muscle. But 
it still ultimately plays into muscle growth. Wow. I did not know that. That's awesome. That's fascinating. Like I said, I know that they don't work in isolation, but, um, it's, it's cool to know that all of those things, um, really do interact in a way that can enhance you, um, but also be debilitating to you if you don't recover properly. Yes. So I have to ask, is the bulk of what you do really focusing on addressing these issues with, you know, hormonal labs or post-contest people? Yes. So I, well, I do have some, um, some contest prep clients, um, which, you know, the goal is to just kind of take them through prep. I mean, obviously again, there's sacrifices being made, but to do it in the most quote unquote healthiest way that we could. Um, but I do love the recovery aspect of it. Like I, I love helping taking a female from going from feeling like complete death to we're recovering and you just kind of see things unfold and they're like their biofeedback picks up each week and they get better and, you know, sleep quality improves. Like to me, I'm like, that's really fulfilling. That's, that's what I love to do. I mean, I love my contest preppers. Don't get me wrong because it's like, I live through them, like for achieving that goal. Um, since I've competed back in 2017 and it's just kind of fun going through their journey together, but I just, I really love helping females just recover and, and just kind of like breaking down these walls together and just opening up their eyes to, oh my God, this is, this is what it's like to feel normal again. And just have them have that quality of life. It just, it's really fulfilling for me. Yeah. And I think that, uh, for me as a coach, it's, I want to be the coach that can address both, right? I want to be able to help all of my athletes in whatever situation or context um, that they come to me in, because I do think it's important to not just play one side of the coin, right? Um, I think it's important to be able to help them get in and out um, throughout the entire processes of whatever fitness journey that they're on, right? Even lifestyle clients will have these adaptations. So I think it's important, again, not to think of these things in isolation, uh, Mm -hmm. the extreme measure or down regulation in which one might acquire throughout the process is going to vary, um, based on restriction and duration. Um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily happen to everybody because it does. Exactly. I feel like as a, as a coach, if you can like for contest preppers, if you can like quote unquote, break them down, because obviously during prep, like that's essentially what you're doing. You are sacrificing your health if you can break them down, but then, then build them back up in terms of recovery. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's really good to, you know, be balanced in terms of that, because, you know, there's nothing worse than, you know, someone out there where like, I can get you shredded, but post show I I don't, I don't really know. We'll just maybe, you know, increase your calories and like, that's it. But it's a lot deeper than that. There's a lot of other factors that you need to be looking at so much. And I think one of the biggest, um, I'll say misconceptions, uh, mm-hmm. with females reversing and kind of getting things back into balance is, you know, a lot of people that have suppression, extreme suppression of, of hormonal profiles, um, tend to play the game of, you have to gain a fuck ton of weight. Um, oh, and yeah. I see that do a lot more harm metabolically long-term, um, than really focusing on issues that we can we can change environmentally stress management, um, and supplementing appropriately based on where they're at and their symptoms. 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's one thing I would like you to talk about is you work with people on fixing these things. So, um, mm-hmm. how do you typically address that? And what would you say are the biggest players? Obviously it's going to depend on the labs that you see from different people. Um, but the biggest contributors to the initial phase of really helping somebody recover and what is a realistic rate of gain that someone really should be focused on, um, during that time. Again, that will depend on which hormones are really downregulated and how they're responding. Uh, but in general, just some insights or even, um, obviously not saying client names, but just certain cases that you've seen and the, the variance between those. Sure. So that's, that's a great question because again, it is really dependent on the individual. And I mean, I've taken, you know, some females through prep and then we looked at their lab values. And I mean, I can always just kind of anticipate the worst of the worst, like just, just because you, you don't know, you don't really know that person's body resiliency until you see panels. Um, But I mean, I've seen situations where I had clients where like their testosterone, their free test was actually um, so good. It was like a 2.3. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. And I was surprised because usually I'm used to seeing females testosterone just completely tank because their pedestrian tanks. Um, but I've seen cases where that wasn't the situation. Um, now on the other side of that, in terms of just like seeing that prep client or post prep client where all their values just kind of just declined, um, because they lost the sense of that resiliency in terms of recovering them. I mean, you don't want to pack on a shit ton of body fat. That's probably the worst thing you can do. And there's smarter ways of going about this because We have to keep in mind that, like I said earlier, estrogen is stored in body fat. So if we are packing on a ton of body fat coming out of a contest prep, guess what else is going up really fast? Estrogen. Exactly. And that client is going to be completely miserable because pedestrian is still going to be, you know, tanked. Estrogen's climbing up higher and higher and they're, they're feeling it like they're, they may have like some hot flashes at night going on. They may have like a lot of irritability, irregular cycles, very heavy cycles. Like once they get it back, if they've lost it. Um, but you can't really have someone pack on a ton of weight. I would say that the goal should always be to, well, number one, it's, it's individualized. Um, you know, if you have an individual where their thyroid is completely downregulated, you know, it's going to be a slower process to build them back up. And really what you need to be paying attention to is how is their body handling the food that you're feeding them? Because if you're giving them way too much and they're packing on a ton of body fat, that's just telling you that the thyroid cannot keep up with what you're giving them. So like, you shouldn't celebrate like, oh, you're up five pounds. Yeah, cool. You know, you know, that's bulk season. Like it's, it's not doing anything good for her. Um, but I would say ideally the weights or the rate of weight gain should be anywhere between, I would say 0.25 to a half a pound per week. So if we're kind of looking at that on average, that's about, about a pound gain. Um, well, actually, let's see, let me do, if I have my math correctly, about a pound to two pounds gained a month, um, give or take. I mean, you do have like your, your genetic freaks out there where you can just give them all the food and like, they're not really like gaining anything in the beginning. So you can just continue to push, but then it'll start slowing down a little bit. 
Um, and then you just have to kind of take things back to like they're like a normal, I guess, slower increase of calories there. But, you know, that's, it's rare, but it's not rare. Like I've, I've seen, you know, both sides of the spectrum there with that. Yeah. So I think there's a, a lot, um, to digest that. I think you said some really important points. So, um, one, the reverse diet is probably more important than the actual contest prep diet and being yeah. diligent and disciplined with that, with the goal of restoring your health and understanding it's a very temporary period of time is incredibly important for people because most people, unfortunately do more harm. Like I said, packing on body fat, because they're just like, fuck it. I'm going to eat all this. I'm going to eat this and I'm going to do this. And like, there's a lot of psychological adaptations, which I've talked about on my podcast before, just about, you know, leptin and ghrelin and all the things that will drive your animal brain to hyper-focus on highly palatable foods, but mm -hmm. being able to like tune into that logical aspect of, of your thought patterns and realize that in order for you to restore metabolic and physiological health, you need to be just as disciplined as you were throughout the dieting phase. And so when it comes to putting on weight, you want to be mindful that you don't want to just put on superfluous amounts of body fat. And one way um, that I like to start a reverse or recovery diet, um, is kind of what you said. Most of my athletes are very lean and we're loading into the show so I can start them off initially kind of in like a, a very, it, it's definitely a calorie surplus based relative to where their actual maintenance will lie. Right. So yeah. A lot of the times you're feeding up and like very high calories for the first couple of weeks and they're, they're maintaining well. Um, but then you'll see that they'll start to gain. And so you have to pull the food back and they always think something is wrong with them. Um, but yeah. it's not, it's the fact that you're hyper responding as your hormones are increasing as to where they should be. Um, and then once they hit that threshold, it doesn't require that much, that, that many nutrients, right? Your body's not running through it as it was. And so it's not that you're broken or you're doing something wrong. Like a lot of people freak out when you start to pull food. Um, but it's not because they're broken. It's because they're actually fixed. Um, you know, or at least they're in a good place to maintain. And now we're paying attention to proper biofeedback in a regulated body where we need to maybe increase calories over time, but it's much slower than the initial increase, increase post-show. And I think that's really important that you pointed that out. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and everyone's different. Like, I think the biggest thing is to like post-show is if you have an athlete where let's say they do want long longevity in the sport, you know, they don't want to be like a one and done. They want to, you know, keep competing like over the years. Cause you know, they, they love to do it. Or let's say they have a goal of like, Oh, I want to, you know, get on the national stage or, Oh, I want a pro card one day. And, you know, obviously we know that that takes time. That takes a lot of time to get there. Um, but we want to make sure that again, they're not packing on a ton of body fat. And if they do, you're not, you should not go back and diet it off. I mean, it, that's probably the worst thing you should, you do. It's like, just, you just got to deal with it. You, you know what I mean? It will eventually come back around and your body will eventually recomp and normalize again, but don't go back into that deficit. It's you're causing more harm than good right there. Well, not even that is you're not, I think that a lot of people forget that these systems don't work in isolation, right? Like I said before, mm -hmm. 
And just as long as it took you to downregulate those systems. And again, the more chronic that you have a dieter, the faster that the adaptations occur, which I think is, you know, yeah. something that people forget, right? So if you're constantly contest prepping, you're going to adapt down much faster because your body remembers this. It's like, no, fuck you. Like, I know what's going on here, right? I know what I need to do to conserve energy and survive. Um, so taking long periods of time off in order to restore all that is really important. But if you overshoot your body fat, you cannot diet it off because again, we're talking about hormones. So your T3, your thyroid, that is kind of like your metabolic primer, if you will, like the engine mm-hmm. that you got to oil up, right? That thing needs service. Like the check yes. engine light is on. So it's not going to be able um, to run through the calories like it would previously. And so you've overshot that. You have to wait until that comes back up right? Your maintenance has to come back up. Those things need to be restored. So you trying to diet down and lose any more body fat is going to require you to be even more aggressive than you previously were to put yourself in an actual deficit, right? Because you, even though you weigh more, and your body fat is higher, um, your caloric needs haven't changed, especially if you're putting it on rapidly. Um, so in order to get that off, you're going to do, like you said, much, 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 much more harm, um, than you are any good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said earlier, like if you pack on a ton of body fat at a very fast rate, estrogen's going up. Um, and of course, you know, usually when we, when we are dieting and again, like I said, it's all dependent upon the resiliency. Um, most of the time females, they, they do end prep estrogen dominant just because pedestrian is on the lower end. So when you pack on a ton of body fat and you're increasing your estrogen even more, it's also going to negatively play into thyroid function. So it may make it more difficult to try to bring thyroid function up or even increase that metabolic capacity, because ultimately that's what we want to do. We, we really want to get that thyroid up and functioning again, which obviously is still going to tie into, you know, getting sex hormones up and functioning again. So you just, you got to be smart about it. Like with, with what you do. I mean, I understand that we're human at the end of the day, you know, you, you may go off and have your, your binger, you know, regardless of if, you know, you're working with the coach or not, but if that happens, you just, it is what it is at that point. There's nothing you can do. You just, you've got to just roll with it. And I think that's really hard for people to understand. And as a coach, it's hard to tell people that like, you know, you weren't able to be adherent and this is the consequences of that choice, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to diet you, right? There's no point. We're going to do more harm and you're not going to respond, right? And some people think, well, yes, I will. So then they try it on their own and they realize like nothing is happening. And so what I see most of the time is number one, focus on what you can control, right? Get into the gym and train, continue to train, clean up your diet and get consistent, right? The body doesn't respond well to super high and super low fluctuations, right? That's a stressor, right? Too much food can be stressful, right? Too little food can be stressful, right? Because your body has to metabolize and break down what it can. And then you put it into famine and then it's like searching for food. So it's primed to store more body fat. So you're doing much more harm going up and down and up and down than if you're just like, okay, well, I laid my bed. I have to lay in this bitch for a while, but if I can't do anything else, like I'm going to start focusing what I can control. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to train my ass off pending that you have the energy to do so. Right. I'm going to recover. I'm going to be consistent with my dietary intake. And then over time, you'll see body fat kind of redistribute, uh, body composition improve, but you Mm -hmm. can't get there if you're constantly beating yourself up and fighting the fact that you've now overshot where you needed to be. 
because there's nothing and it sucks to say it, but genuinely you're going to do much more harm trying to do something about it than if you say, okay, I got to focus on what I can control here and I need to really prioritize my health and not my body image right now um, and get through this phase because the storm will pass unless you continue to run yourself into the ground, then it's just going to get worse. Yeah, that's it. That's all you can do. So I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to do another um, deep dive for sure. Just kind of, I'm sure the listeners will have follow-up questions, which if you guys do, please reach out to me or Taryn. Um, But uh, one take-home message you feel is really important that you see a lot when you work with clients that are struggling with this stuff post-show. If you could give them a message from you and just your experience that will help them or you think is important for them to understand whether going into it or coming out of it, I'd like you to share that. Sure. So I guess prior to like prepping or or anything like that, like we have to remember that it's not up to you as to whether or not, you know, your body is ready to prep. It's, It's actually up to your body. And, you know, the work that you put in and the time you stay out of that caloric deficit, the better this your prep is going to be because you want to go into it as healthy as you, as you possibly can, you know, looking at hormone health, looking at your, your minerals, um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and you know, that's, what's going to end up eventually taking you the, the further distance within your prep, um, versus, you know, having things be painfully slow. Like if you are that chronic dieter or like, you know, you, you gain weight, but oh my God, I got to, I got to get it off. Like it's, it's going to make your prep slower. You're going to stall out a lot faster. So just, you know, be mindful and just don't play the game of keeping up with the Jones's fitness edition. It's, it's, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get you healthy. You have to focus on yourself and we are our own individuals and we are, we all have our own sense of resiliency and some may need a little bit more time off season than others to, to help recover hormone functions, because that that's number one. And that's how you play the, the long length or long longevity got my words mixed up there game, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, the long game is the most important one, especially if you're really about bodybuilding, it's not yes. a short-term instant gratification kind of sport. And I think people lose sight of that, but absolutely. I very much appreciate you coming on Taryn. I will plug all of your information below for people to find you and we'll definitely have to do a follow-up. So thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time.